0: Welcome back. Father James Matelski was ordained as a priest with the Missionaries of the Holy Family. He began his priestly ministry as a vocational director and member of the Holy Family Seminary Formation Team. In 1979, he was incarnated into the Archdiocese of St. Louis. In St. Louis, he has served as a hospital chaplain, a high school teacher, and in multiple parishes and dean of the North County Deanery. He recently retired, having last served as pastor of St. Norbert Parish for the last 16 years. Let's welcome Father James Vitalski. Have a Good morning. So let's begin with some prayers, all right? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Come Holy Spirit, Fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle them in the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of the faithful, grant that by that same Holy Spirit we may be truly wise and ever enjoy his consolation through this same Christ our Lord. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death, amen. Saint Joseph, pray for us. So I'm gonna explain the talk a little bit because it's gonna sound kind of crazy. Um, I'm gonna go in all kinds of different directions. I'm gonna start with scripture because there's some things I wanna Mentioned in Scripture that will lead into the, to the sacrifice of the mass which I'm going to talk about a little bit because The the, the theme is Eucharist, right? And uh, so I'm going to talk about the mass and then I want to talk about adoration so I'm trying to gather all these three things together and uh, We'll see how it goes. All right. So first of all, I just want to read something from Genesis First chapter, first verse, it starts. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless wasteland, and darkness covered the abyss, while a mighty wind swept over the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw how good the light was. God then separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. Thus evening came and morning followed that first day. Then God said, let there be the dome, a dome in the middle of the waters to separate one body of water from the other. And so it happened, God made the dome and it separated the water above the dome from the water below the dome. And God called the dome the sky. Evening came and morning followed that second day. Then God said, let the water under the sky be gathered into a single basin so that the dry land may appear. And so it happened. The water under the sky was gathered into its basin and the dry land appeared. God called the dry land the earth and the basin of water he called the sea. God saw how good it was. Then God said, let the earth bring forth vegetation, every kind of plant that bears seed and every kind of fruit tree on the earth that bears fruit with its seed in it. And so it happened, the earth brought forth every kind of plant that bears seed and every kind of fruit tree on earth that bears fruit with its seed in it. God saw how good it was. Evening came and morning followed the third day. Then God said, let there be lights in the dome of the sky that separate day from night. Let them mark the fixed times, the days and the years and served the illuminaries in the dome of the sky to shed light upon the earth. And so it happened. God made the two great lights, the greater one to govern the day and the lesser one to govern the night. And he made the stars. God set them in the dome of the earth, I mean, in the dome of the sky and shed light upon the earth to govern the day and the night. To separate light from the darkness. God saw how good it was. Evening came and morning followed, the fourth day. Then God said, Let the waters teem with an abundance of living creatures, and on the earth let birds fly beneath the dome of the sky. And so it happened. God created the great sea monsters of all kinds of swimming and all kinds of swimming creatures with which the water teems and all kinds of winged birds. God saw how good it was and God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters of the sea and let the birds multiply on the earth. Evening came and morning followed the fifth day. Then God said, let the earth bring forth all kinds of living creatures, cattle, creeping things and wild animals of all kinds. And so it happened. God made all kinds of wild animals, all kinds of cattle, and all kinds of creeping things of the earth. God saw how good it was. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sky, the birds of the air, the cattle, and over all the wild animals and all creatures that crawl on the ground. God created man in his image. In the divine image, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominions over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and all living things that move on the earth. So why did I read all that? Well, if you notice, everything that i mentioned everything on this earth came from the word of god the word he spoke it and it happened it came into being and with that in mind i'm not going to this will not take real long i promise you but i want to read a little bit from the first chapter of john In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Everything that was made was made through Him. Nothing came into being without Him. What came into being came through Him and was life. And the life was the light of the all-human race. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it so now we see that all that god spoke into existence was spoken into existence through the word the second person of the blessed trinity jesus christ who came onto this earth and as john goes on he says he pitched his tent among us and we have seen his glory the glory of the only son of the father So basically what we see is Jesus Christ is the Word made flesh. Now, the reason why I bring that all into this talk today is because I think it's important for us to realize that Jesus has been in on this whole process from the very beginning, and so has the Holy Spirit. You know, in in the description of creation Uh, The author also speaks about how the Holy Spirit hovered over what was going on hovered over the waters of creation so basically the whole Godhead was involved so and here's another thing God existed before time so it speaks about in the beginning in other words this is when the beginning is when our time began but God was before our time And God in us will be after our time. And and actually, I think it would be correct to say we were actually before our time too. Because if God existed and God is unchangeable, everything that exists in God always exists. So somehow or another, we've always existed in God. But we are experiencing our journey in this world in our lifetime. Now, there's another interesting thing in that first reading from Genesis, That I mentioned it says that we are created in the image and likeness of God it even speaks in many translations about the divine image of God and and basically then a kind of mellows that out by saying likeness so what does that mean and you know I believe that everything that exists in the spiritual realm also has something pointing toward it in the physical realm so when we are told that we're made in the image and likeness of God the first thing that comes to my mind comes to my mind is the idea of DNA if you would take a little speck of my body my DNA just a little cell or two and find it somewhere you could trace it back to me, right? There is nobody in the trillions of people that have ever existed on the face of the earth, there's nobody that can be identified as me or any part of me except that which is possessed in my DNA. So if you would take that little piece of DNA and, and examine it among all the people of the world, it wouldn't fit anybody except me so if we are made in the image and likeness of god we're not god that's what that likeness comes in to say hey just remember you're you're made in his image but you are not god just like my little piece of dna is not me but it is part of me so it is with being created in the image and likeness of god that is who we are we cannot be separated from the truth of who we are the truth of who we are is we are created in the spiritual dna of our father we are god's children and therein lies the issue for us when we begin to think about the reality that uh, sin has come, has brought about in the world Because what sin does, you might say it infects that spiritual DNA, it somehow hampers it, and it hampers it in its ability to reach its full potential within us. It's there, it's there, you can't take it away from us, it's there, but somehow it gets marred, or I don't wanna say covered up, but somehow or another it's affected by sin it loses its potency maybe that's a good way to say it It loses its potency because of sin so what jesus came to do was to recover what was lost and he came and he suffered and died and rose from the dead we know that action that he took on calvary is the salvific action that takes place in the mass but You see, everything that Jesus did before then is part of that too. So his whole life is part of that salvific action because it was all what? It was all the word revealing the word self to the world. So we are being made whole once again. We are being healed once again by the intervention of God in our history, in the history of the whole world and 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 that happens because of the uh, goodness that that God has great love for us and and we'll get into that right now with, when I start talking about the mass now so basically I wanted to relay a baseline here. who we are we're part of God we're God's children we are made in his image and likeness as a matter of fact let me read now what Augustine says about our relationship with God, with Jesus. So this is, um, this is a homily that Augustine gave on the ascension of Jesus. He says, Today our Lord Jesus Christ ascended into heaven. Let our hearts ascend with him. Listen to the words of the apostle. If you have risen with Christ, set your hearts on the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Seek the things that are above, not the things that are on earth. For just as he remained with us even after his ascension, so we too, listen to this, so we too are already in heaven with him, even though what is promised us has not yet been fulfilled in our bodies. See, there's a there's different realities we're in a physical realm here we experience things in a physical realm but we're also in a spiritual realm and in that spiritual realm there is no time there's only eternity and eternity is with god so when augustine what augustine is talking about is he moves through time into eternity in this reality so Christ is now exalted above the heavens, but he still suffers on earth all the pain that we, the members of his body, have to bear. He showed this when he cried out from above, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And when he said, I was hungry and you gave me food, why do we on earth not strive to find rest with him in heaven, even now? through the faith, hope, and love that unites us to him. While in heaven, he is also with us, and we, while on earth, are with him. He is here with us by his divinity, his power, and his love. We cannot be in heaven as he is is on earth by divinity, but in him we can be there by love. So basically, Augustine is saying that, in a sense, we're already in the fullness of salvation as the head of the body has already ascended to the right hand of the Father. Somehow or another, we're connected with that and we share in that. And the reason why I bring that up here is that as I begin to talk about the Eucharist is when we talk about the Mass, there's two different realities that have to be thought about. I'm being saved, and I am part of a community that's being saved. Let me go back to the, um, the Passover, the first, the, the, when the first Passover when, when the people of Israel were set free. Every one of those individual people were set free. But even the very day of the Passover, think about this. Someone had to kill the lamb someone had to find the lamb someone had to kill the lamb someone had to prepare the lamb someone had to gather the herbs someone had to uh, prepare the table before they could all eat and be on their way in the passover so it was a community function where everybody participated in the saving of the community so the mass is not only me being saved and that's very important to me But it's us being saved and that should be important to all of us and that brings in the uh the thing i one of my favorite quotes cardinal newman says i have been created by god to do something and to be something for which no one else was made so when we participate in the mass we're remembering that we're part of this body that we're supposed to give something to and share something with and receive something from That's all part of who we are. So we can't just go to Mass just as individuals. We go to Mass as a group seeking the salvation of God. Now what happens when we get there? There's a a great explanation of all the different parts of the Mass in the, um, in the, uh, the webpage of the National Bishops' Conference. And you can read that, and I, hope, I encourage you to read that, but I, I don't want to necessarily approach this that way. I want to talk about it more of a, in a, a different kind of way. So what happens when we go to Mass? We come we come from our own homes. Um, we, uh, I can remember as a little kid getting ready for Mass in the 60s, and uh, six people in one house and one bathroom. That's how we prepared for mass. <laughs> so it wasn't always um, a peaceful preparation, right? And especially as us, we kids got older and uh, had to take more time in the bathroom to prepare ourselves to look proper to all of our friends and make a, uh, some kind of a statement in at, 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 at public, it took longer. So basically I understand that as people come they're not necessarily coming fully prepared for what's going to happen but i think it's important for us to think about how to prepare ourselves because actually what's going to happen is something very special very sacred very very amazing and somehow or another we if we rush in sit down and and are so absorbed about all the stuff that we have to do when we get home We can miss the point so basically what is the point we come first thing we do is we express our sinfulness lord have mercy christ have mercy we express the fact that we are sinners all of us are sinners unfortunately sometimes in church situations people want to convince everybody else that they're holy well we're not that holy we're all sinners and until we admit that we're, we're not, But I shouldn't say we're not that holy, I should say we're not that perfect. We're all holy, because we're all the saints of God, but we're not perfect. And until we admit that, we can't go much further, right? It's interesting in 12-step programs, the first thing, you, one of the first things you have to admit is that you're powerless, you need help. You can't do it by yourself. We come seeking God's mercy, you remember the, uh, the the tax the the, the sinner and the uh, and the and the and the Jewish leader that were in temple together and, and the Jewish leader was saying I'm thank you God that I'm not like everybody else especially that guy over there that sinner and the sinner said Lord have mercy on me Lord have mercy on me Jesus says that guy was moving out of the temple saved the other wasn't so it's not that we're so perfect it's that we know and understand our great need of God. So basically, um, after that, we hear the Word once again. The Word becomes present for us, right? And then we move into offertory. And what happens at offertory? We bring the gifts, our gifts, fruit of the vine, work of human hands, we bring it all before God. And we bring it before God for Him to do something special with, to, to, to imbue it with, with the salvific action that he came to the earth to bring. And then we move into the consecration. Now, it's interesting, if you look at the stories of the Last Supper, when Jesus was getting ready to go to the consecration, what's the first thing he did? He got up from table, and he goes and he washes all the disciples' feet. Now, I got to watch my time. I don't want to cut into Lou's time. She's going to talk after me. So so basically, what's happening there? So Jesus sees a need in his disciples. It wasn't a big need, wash their feet, you know? But he saw a need. And it kind of reminds me of a, a good parent, right? You know, a good parent, i can remember i don't know how many times i remember my mom (laughs) taking her handkerchief and and moistening it and then wiping my mouth or something like that i see moms doing that all the time Um, they just want to do whatever they can do and here's another interesting thought jesus kneels down in front of his disciples to do that here's god kneeling down in a loving touch wanting to take care of the needs of his disciples his apostles he knows that they're all going to run away from him in less than four hours they're all going to scatter they're all going to deny him except John he doesn't care that's what they need that's what he'll do for them that's his love for us all And then he takes that bread and wine and changes it into his body and blood for us. And then he goes to the cross and activates what he has done at the Last Supper. And it's hard for us to imagine, but what happens at Mass is this. Somehow or another, we penetrate from time into eternity because you see that suffering death and resurrection of Jesus always exists it exists everywhere always at all times what happens at mass is we access it somehow or another we break through the barrier of our senses into this reality that is beyond our senses where jesus is always saving always loving always redeeming always destroying death always destroying sin and always giving life and as we come up to receive him We're embracing that reality. We are immersing ourselves in the salvation of Jesus that is given for us. And And we are celebrating the fact that we're all part of that great mystery. Because actually, remember what I said, I have been created by God to do something and to be something for which no one else was made. We are all part of God's great army part of part we are living out that salvation that's taking place not only in our lives but through our lives to touch other people it's all there everything is there we can't do anything without God but God is always there and he is always saving us and he's always saving us not just magically touching each one of us but he's saving us through the body of Christ who he created to do this great work of bringing about his salvation. And we're all being nurtured by the gift of love that he's giving, and then we're all being sent out to continue to do the work. I would kind of compare it to this, you know, if you're in an army, uh, you're a soldier in the army, well, you want to take care of yourself, right? But you also realize that you're part of a group and it's the whole group together that moves forward you got to do your best to be your best to save yourself and save the rest of the group and they all got to. they're all part of the same mission we're all part of the same mission jesus is our king the mission is bringing about the salvation that he offers and uh, he uses us it's amazing. Why would he use us? I mean, look at how weak we are. I look at myself and I think, how could he possibly use me? Because there's so much broken in me. And yet, and you can all sit the same, I'm sure. If you can't, well, good, good for you. But most of us understand we're very broken people. But yet he uses us and he needs us to do it, because this great event that I'm talking about is locked in eternity, not locked in eternity, is found in eternity, but has to move out into this world in order to take effect. And it's in us who are nourished with it that that effect can happen for the rest of the world. And that's why we're here. We are not here for any other reason But to realize that as part of God's DNA, as part of the body of Christ, we carry out his mission. You notice Paul says, he says, uh, I fulfill in my life what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ. Well, that sounds kind of crazy until you really think about it. So I think what it means, because I could never get a definitive answer from anybody. I think what it means is this the salvation has already occurred. Then comes Jim Matulski along and messes up. The salvation's there already because the suffering, death and resurrection of Christ is always accessible to me for that salvation to take place. So now that which was lacking in the suffering of Christ, that is my messing up has happened. And now that part of the salvation of Christ is brought to fulfillment. Does that make sense to you? I hope it does. It sounds kind of, I'm kind of on a deep level here, but um, I, think it, I think it makes a lot of sense. I, I, I really don't want to use this. this um, No, I won't, I won't use it. Because <laughs> it could be mistaken in a lot of different ways. So I, I was going to use another example. I love analogies, you know, and some of them really fall short, and this one might really fall short, so I'm not going to use it. So anyway, with that in mind now, let's move into adoration. So why do we have adoration? Well, think about it. When we just had mass, the bread and wine was transformed into the body and blood of Jesus. We accessed eternity through this ritual that we call the the mass, the holy sacrifice. We access eternity through this ritual. And now we have this physical reality, this what we look, it looks like bread to the human eye, but we who are of faith understand it to be the body and blood of Jesus, understand that to be total redemption, understand that to be everything that happened on Calvary and in the resurrection, we maintain that reality when we hold on to the blessed sacrament and, and for, for our adoration. So it's like, it's like we, t- we find a way to access the mystery of the mass at other times we can come to the chapel and we can sit with Jesus. Now, in mass, you know, there's all kinds of distractions going on and, and all kinds of realities going on and all kinds of good things going on, but now we have more time to just sit with them. When I, I look at the host and I think, one of the crazy thoughts, well, I don't think it's a crazy thought, but one of the interesting thoughts that come to my mind is, um, an astronaut, an astronaut. Just think of yourself as an astronaut circling the earth and looking down on the whole earth and saying, Wow, there's people right now getting born. There's people falling in love. There's people dying. Right now, as I'm looking at this, it's all happening. There's the little kids celebrating their birthdays, there's young couples getting married. There's an old man or an old woman saying goodbye to their loved one on their deathbed. All of that's going on right now as he looks at the earth. Well, when we, we got to understand, Jesus is beyond our, our world. And he looks and he sees all those things going on in our world. And he sees all these things going on in our life. And as we sit with him, um, He sees us you know what when he was on Calvary hanging on the cross and he looked out he probably saw you in that chapel visiting him being with him trying to connect with him he saw that already because he's in eternity and And as you gaze on him, he's gazing on you. And sometimes we say, well, I don't really know if anything's going on. I don't don't feel anything. You know, I go to the beach sometimes in Florida. Well, I get there, I'm white as a ghost. And by the weeks end, I'm brown. Well, what happened? Did I do something? I was just there. Couldn't help but being affected by just being there not only physically was i affected but i got a lot of vitamin d inside of me what i needed when we sit with jesus we might not always realize what's going on but be assured something is going on he wants so much to touch us he wants so much to love us He wants so much for us to know that we are safe if we put ourselves in His arms. He wants that for us. He makes Himself available to us. And just think, when He was hanging on the cross, He said, it's all worth it. It's worth it to be with Joe or... Jane or Sandy or Sue or Bill sitting in the St. Norbert Eucharistic chapel and visiting them for a while and let them letting me love them because that love is the food we need for life because that love is him giving of himself to us and even when we give ourselves to him oddly enough we're giving him to himself because we're all so much a part of him and it's helping us to reconnect with all of that we might say well i don't really have time to for that well you better realign your values because that's the only thing that matters everything else will pass away that's the only thing that matters is god And all of us in God. And that's what we should be busy with. That's what we should be spending our time on. Because that's where we'll find life. I have come to bring you life and bring it in its fullness. That's what we should be all about. So... I have more stuff written down, but I think, I think that's enough. I'll give you a little break between me and Lou. I've heard listen to Lou before, and you probably need the break. No, I'm just kidding. You probably need the break from me. <laughs> so i like to close this with the guardian angel prayer. You know, I, I visit hospitals a lot, and I pray this prayer with so many people in the hospitals, and they say, oh, I haven't heard that in years. I, I really picked up my devotion to my guardian angel when I got sick one time. And I didn't know where to turn or how much help I would need. And one of the things I asked my guardian angel to do, and this is what I tell people in the hospital, have your guardian angel to talk to the guardian angels of your whole healthcare team and get them to get the people that they're watching over to focus very much on what you need to get better help them in other words to use God's grace so let's pray the guardian angel prayer angel of God my guardian dear to whom God's love commits us here ever this day be at our side to light and guard to rule and guide amen thank you so much